Hello, and welcome to the Empowerography Podcast. This is a platform created for women's voices to be heard and a place to share their stories, journeys, and successes with the world for the purpose of helping other women who might be on similar journeys. We are empowering women one episode at a time. I'm your host, Brad Walsh, so kick back, grab one of your favorite beverages, and enjoy the stories. If you're looking for jewelry that makes an impact on your self-care routine and your style, Empowerography would love to offer you a discount code to one of our exclusive partners, Quartz and Canary Jewelry and Wellness Company. Please use code EMPOWER15 to receive 15% off upon checkout at www.quartzandcanary.com. Quartz and Canary is truly the place where spirituality meets style. Hello there, Brad Walsh here, your host of the Empowerography podcast. Today, my guest is Carmelinda DiMano. She is an EFT coach, a movement and breath facilitator, and a conscious DJ. How are you doing today, Carmelinda? I'm wonderful. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you so much. I am in this moment looking out into the most beautiful setting of nature, the woods and the snow, and it is particularly beautiful and great to be here. I'm sure it's incredibly picturesque. Thank you so much for taking the time to be here. I know that we've tried to connect a few times and circumstances not permitting, we haven't been able to, but I'm very happy to finally have you here now and to be able to sit down and chat with you and learn a bit about you and your journey and what you're doing and share that with the community. So thank you so much for making and taking the time to be here today. I appreciate you, Carmelinda. Thank you. So let's jump in. Carmelinda, you are a certified yoga and fitness instructor, a transformational coach, an EFT specialist, and a conscious DJ. That is one hell of a resume. (laughs) How do you prioritize (laughs) and find time to fit it all in? And how important as a serial entrepreneur is prioritization and organization to you? Well, this is a fundamental question that I've uh, had to ask myself over the last couple of years. So over the last 12 years, I have worked in the profession of wellness, particularly with my movement, so my yoga classes, fitness classes. Uh, and over those years, you know, studied other things like, you know, breath work, I became a DJ. And in the more recent two years, I studied emotional freedom technique, which is what I use in the transformational coaching work that I do. So having said that, I have a tremendous amount of passion, but I did reach a point where I recognized the value of prioritizing because I was becoming extremely burnt out. So I'm preaching this message about you know, wellness and self-care. And I was neglecting some of that with respect to myself, which is, I believe, a problem for a lot of people working in these realms. Right. So I think it's it's super, super important. And for so many reasons, you know, to offer and hold space for other people, I think that we need to have our own cup be filled up. And so for, for that, you know, bigger purpose, I think it's really important to prioritize. And also, you know, at the end of the day, we can start putting one hand into so many different things, but to get really, really, really good at something, um, I feel like the focus is pretty essential. So at least for a duration of time. So I I would say that those are two of my sort of main reasons uh, for believing that there is a need to prioritize most definitely. 
Absolutely. I was just going to mention about the filling your own cup first, because if your own cup isn't full first, you can't give to anybody else. So it's definitely yeah. priority for sure. Yeah. And I think the nature of, of what I do, you know, in all of those different realms are very much output energy activities, right? Yeah. So if I'm holding space for someone who's expressing, you know, something that they're moving through a challenge in their life in EFT one-on-one, or if I'm holding space for a group of people dancing in an ecstatic dance, I'm putting out a lot of energy. So there's this beautiful exchange that happens, of course. But if I am not, you know, balancing that with my own self care and activities that restore my energy, there's going to be an impact in the experience for others and also the experience for myself. Like we do these things because it brings joy, you know, and I, and I want that to be the experience. Yeah, for sure. Now, I know you are certified in specifically Hatha and Kundalini yoga. And I also know there are many other different modalities when it comes to yoga. Can you explain a little bit about the two modalities you're certified in and why you chose to get certified in those two specifically? Sure. You know, the term Hatha yoga is a very big kind of umbrella term. So just to clarify, you know, most people in North America leading any kind of movement yoga practice that falls under hatha yoga so it's one of the eight limbs of yoga so anything like for example if you see on a schedule the term vinyasa yoga or Mm -hmm. modo yoga there are still ultimately hatha yoga which is essentially the movement practice of yoga yeah so as far as you know what i studied i studied movement yoga primarily and i've also studied kundalini now kundalini It doesn't fall under what I would say is the traditional perspective of the eight limbs of yoga. Kundalini yoga really speaks to uh, the energetics of yoga. So we're doing movements that don't typically even resemble what most people would see in most yoga classes. There's a lot of repetition of movement. There's a tremendous amount of mantra work. So chanting and a deep, deep focus on breath work. So all, I think all yogas do hold some space for those, you know, pieces to a practice, but Kundalini speaks to it, I would say more directly and focuses on those things even more. It's a, it's a bit more traditional, a lot less mainstream. And I would say, the most potent when it comes to experiencing a shift in your own energetic system from any of the practices I've done. I'm super passionate about it. Now, I read that you decided to get into the practice of yoga and meditation as a result of some of your own personal struggles and healing journey, correct? Absolutely. Yes. Can you share a little bit about your personal struggles and journey with us? Thank you. I will. You know, at a really young age in my my teens, I started to experience anxiety and actually anxiety attacks. It was really severe. Um, at one point, I, I think I was pretty much, I don't want to say bedridden, but I was almost afraid to do or go anywhere because of how bad uh, the anxiety was. And I had anticipatory anxiety that I would have an attack. What I found was when I was introduced to a particular kind of yoga, which was actually a, a Bikram yoga, it was hot yoga. Okay. I started to notice that I was feeling better. I was feeling calmer. Uh, one of the symptoms of, of the anxiety I was experiencing was insomnia and I was sleeping better when I started to do the practice regularly. And for me, regular at that time was three to four times a week, made a very big difference. Yeah. So that was a starting point. You know, of course, through the years of my life, there's been other journeys and times of challenge that these right. practices have really helped. But that I would say was the root of my introduction. And it was definitely through suffering that I, I was introduced to the practice. 
So would you say then that the yoga really helped, like, has it gotten your, your anxiety anticipatory <laughs> attacks? Has that gotten under control as a result of the yoga? And how is it for you now? I would say that most definitely the yoga had a huge positive impact. I think that was the introduction to my interest in studying spirituality, studying and reading books that I gained a greater understanding of energy and, and the power of the mind. So, you know, one thing led to the next, right. but this is what I filled my life with over the last you know, that was, like I said, it was in my early teens and yeah. I'm not going to tell you how old I am right now, I would <laughs> but never it's been ask. a relatively long time. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a relatively long time and things have changed and morphed and evolved since then. And I would say that these are still with the addition of others, the practices that I use to sustain my well-being and to support me in navigating the ups and downs of life. Definitely. That's pretty incredible because, you know, a lot of people, I know a lot of people that suffer from anxiety and have the anxiety attacks. And of course, Western medicine, the first response is, well, here, just get this prescription filled, take these pills and you'll be fine. And Mm -hmm. whereas you took this holistic route, practicing yoga, and of course that developed and turned into other things to help keep the anxiety under control. So I think that's a a pretty admirable thing that you've done for yourself. I think it's amazing that you didn't go the route of Western medicine and you decided to focus your energy and helping yourself through natural things like yoga and and the other things that developed as a result of that. You know, I, I will say that if a person is in the position where they need that sort of like immediate help, where where perhaps what they're experiencing emotionally, psychologically is beyond their capacity to, to be okay, uh, to take that kind of, you know, conventional sort of route for a duration of time. I support that. It isn't the route that I personally wanted to take. There was a part of my mind at the time that was just, and I, and I, and I actually did, I think I did take antidepressants and anxiety pills. Again, I was, it was really long ago, but I took for maybe a few weeks. And in that young age, still, there was this part of me that knew I didn't want that. So I became extremely disciplined and very, very determined to, to work with what I was experiencing without it. And I didn't end up taking it very long, but, you know, I do always want to say that you know, where there is the need for that, like there, I have no judgment and, and I certainly don't want to make anybody feel like that's never the route. Yeah. And, you know, people might need to at times in their lives or mm-hmm. for specific durations or, or for reasons. But yeah, I was pretty determined to really do the healing work yeah. and not, not suppress anything. Amazing. Well, I think it's incredible. So good for you for having the wherewithal to do it and and to put in the work, because I think that's part of the problem is that people just don't want to put in the work. Yeah, it can be pretty daunting. I think when we have symptoms uh, psychologically, physically, Mm -hmm. emotionally, that are very, very overwhelming to bring ourselves into a state that's neutral enough to participate in certain things takes a tremendous amount of energy. So I can, I can understand with a lot of compassion why people might not go there. But the truth is, I believe until we do, uh, we're not really peeling back the layers. We're not getting to the root of anything. We're not pulling the weeds out and finding the the depth of our own potential uh, to be healthy and happy. So I encourage it as 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 hard as it is for sure. 
Yeah. So what was the breaking point then of the, did, like, did you have a light bulb moment with your personal struggles and story where you said to yourself, okay, I'm, I'm not doing this anymore. I've got to focus on me and get out of this anxiety and this state, this mental state that I'm in that's messing with my head. Was there something specific? Yes. I mean, again, there's different times in my life right. where I think circumstances, circumstances were, you know, so intense, whether it was, you know, just just the feelings and the and and the experience of anxiety or whether it was you know a relationship situation right. you know i've i've had different times as i'm sure every human has mm-hmm. uh, where i was called to go to that deep place of inner listening to make a decision to take action of a different route perhaps than the one i was already taking so you know, I will say that, you know, at one point in my life an experience I was moving through that was ongoing for quite, quite a few years where I was, I I know, you know, the situation was not the healthiest. It was in a moment, I want to say of almost absolute, like just empty where I landed in the space of really listening to the inner voice, because at that point there was nothing else. And I heard a voice within myself that said, you know, now is your time to make this change, to make this move. And as much as in that moment, I really didn't want to listen. I'll be honest with you. Because <laughs> I knew that I knew that what was coming was going to be a journey of a lot of work and would require a lot of mental strength and determination. I couldn't deny the voice. So I think, you know, all that to say we all have this kind of inner GPS system and it's allowing ourselves to kind of go beneath the noise of our mind, the noise of circumstance, the noise of our environment to really listen because that system exists in every single human being. And in that moment, I I allowed myself to listen to that, that inner intuition. It takes a lot of strength to do it and to fight that urge to just not do it. You know, I think that's very amazing and incredible that you had the inner strength to do it and follow and listen to that voice, listen to the signs, right? I completely agree. And I see it in the world. There's people doing it, you know, all the time. And sometimes it takes, you know, more than one attempt, whether it's, you know, taking the action to deal with past trauma, pain, experiences you've had, whether it's Uh, looking at, you know, unhealthy, toxic relationships, you know, the circumstance can show up in different areas of life for people, but people are, you know, I think a lot of people do end up, you know, landing in that space. They have their point where where they know they have to make that move or change. How would you say these experiences have helped shape the Karma Linda you are today, both personally and professionally, do you think? Thank you so much. You just, you asked the best questions. Um, <laughs> I would say that these experiences, it's so engaging and not surface. Mm-hmm. I really value that. Thank I would you. say these experiences have, yeah, have shaped who I am in my daily life and in my work on, on, on so many levels. I don't know that I can list them all, but uh, <laughs> one fundamental way is I think I have, a strong capacity to be sensitive and to feel with people, you know, what they're moving through. I can, I'm pretty sensitive. I can hear and see and read between the lines often of what people are saying. So I think it's kind of fine tuned my ability to be empathic, intuitive. I'm not calling myself psychic or anything like that. But just in the human capacity, I think I have a heightened ability to do that. 
And I mean, in my own life, I have a strong faith. So it shows up for me as having faith that regardless of the depth of darkness or situation, there is always a way and a path out and healing is possible for anybody and everybody. I fully yeah. believe that. Yeah, so I, I would agree. I'm grateful for that. And how long have you been a transformational coach and what inspired your journey into becoming a coach? This is a very exciting and relatively new path. Oh, so, okay, great. Uh, probably two years, two, two and a half years ago or so, I did a EFT, which is uh, the acronym for emotional freedom technique. Mm-hmm. session with a yeah. friend. I was moving through something. It wasn't um, an ongoing situation, but I was just kind of like at a point where I, I, I was stuck on something. Yeah. And so I sat face to face with her and we did this session and I was blown away that I would say in like 20, 30 minutes, I had this new insight, a completely new perspective to what I was stuck in. And I was elated, relieved. I had so much good feeling from this experience that I was, I just wanted to learn more. So I signed up immediately for a weekend course that was basically an intro. And then I signed up for the 12 month, I believe it's 12 month program with NFT conscious EFT certification. So that experience where I was a client to this individual that allowed what I saw was my mind shift, like perspective suddenly that that quickly though, eh? EFT works very fast. Wow. Very, very, very fast. So that's what I love about it. There's a lot of studies around how much faster mm-hmm. people experience change in comparison to, for example, talk therapy alone. I'm not putting talk therapy down. I think psychotherapists and you know psychologists, they're doing such amazing, important, important work. Yeah. I'm just, there's a lot of study around how tapping on these acupressure points, which is part of the process and the sort of procedure that we move through in EFT is a really fast process as That's a general incredible. thing. You know, I'm That's not, I'm not saying everybody's experience is going to be 20, no, 30 of minutes. Of course, of course. Um, but it, it does work fast. That's amazing. Yeah, it is. Carmelinda, is your business focused on working solely with women? And if so, why have you chosen to focus your business specifically on women? My business is not focused on working solely with women. Okay. Yeah, it's not. I work more with women, I would say, but not solely. And was that intentional or just happened organically? I would say it happened organically. Yeah. You know, when I started leading, for example, yoga classes, which I would say was the beginning of my journey in this work of, you know, helping people, more women were in my classes. And I think that's just the reality of things in that scene, that industry. More and more and more, I'm seeing men in classes for sure, but just the ratio was never really balanced. So I think it was just pretty organic. And and I, I do have an inclination to really, really love women. So yeah. I don't not love men. I love <laughs> humans. Yes. I love humans. I, I, I have such a deep, deep interest in understanding humans and humanity. But I think because I'm a woman, I've been through certain struggles. Um, I've seen things. I have a bit more of a quick instinct to really want to hold space and watch women blossom into yeah the healthy, beautiful, successful beings that I know they can be. There's that relatability factor. There's a relatability factor. And I think the world's a a wonderful place. And I think the world's been a little harder on women. Um, Absolutely. I would agree with you. Yeah. So my instinct is, is, is usually to really have a lot of empathy 
there. Understandable. And so, but it was Makes never, in, it was never specifically intentional. Okay. So mm-hmm. who is your ideal coaching client then? Not what kind of business, but what kind of person do you love working with? I really love working with people that are willing to be vulnerable uh, with people that they have at least an inkling of trust that improvement is possible. So they're not, you know, completely frozen in doubt. There's there, they might be, you know, suffering from self-doubt, but there's some part of them that still sees the potential for healing and growth. You know, that excites me, that combination of like, let me put it out all out on the table. You know, I'm willing to be open and vulnerable and I trust that I can, I can move through this. Uh, That to me is a really, that's a good recipe for the work that can be done. (laughs) The willingness to have an open mind and to, to embrace change. Mm -hmm. What lights you up or inspires you the most about the work that you do? I feel like I would have so many answers to all of your questions, (laughs) um, but I'm going to think of what the sort of top answer would be. The top answer for me is I feel privileged. I feel honored. I feel fortunate to be witness to other people's process of moving through challenge, of healing, of positive change, of growth. I feel that observing that, whether it's they come to yoga once a week and I watch them through their journey and we chit chat and I know a little bit of where they're you know, coming from and where, and I see where they're sort of going Yeah. or EFT one-on-one sessions, the ability to catch that is there in both those spaces. And I just feel so lucky to watch that, to be witness to that. It's an amazing feeling to witness transformation and be part of transformation and to know that what you're doing and what you're giving back is having an impact on another human being. It's one of the most incredible feelings in the world. Yeah. It's so it's, it's definitely the path I want to stay on and I never take credit for anybody's healing. I don't believe that it is me as I don't believe it is ever anyone outside of the individual that's doing the work. I feel fortunate that I can hold space because I was gifted with enough energy to do that. Yeah, you know, I feel like God blessed me with enough energy to do that for people, but I know that the the work is really in the individual. So I see myself as a witness to that, and that is a total honor. It's so powerful, truly. <laughs> Carmelinda, what drives, motivates, and inspires you to keep going and keep pushing and excelling at all that you do? I would say that I have no other option. And I mean that in the most actually liberated, empowered way. I love what I do so deeply that even if the thought has crossed my mind, you know, to consider, you know, other paths or, you know, things that might perhaps in some cases be even more lucrative, that doesn't motivate me. What motivates me is being in the presence of individuals that are willing to do the work and to be witness to them in that journey and to help hold space for them. So that is what drives me. And the fact that I just truly feel at this point in my life, and I'm not holding myself to it, this is the only place where I want to be, this yeah. kind of work. I like that you mentioned the word empowered and empowerment there. Through my my bit of research that I've done on you before our interview, and I noticed that you 
speak about empowerment and use that word quite a bit. So I'm going to assume here that, and I know we shouldn't assume because you know what they say, it makes an ass of you and me, but I'm going to assume (laughs) here that you are a big advocate for women's empowerment and self-love and self-confidence and body acceptance and all those wonderful things. Can you speak Mm -hmm. a little bit about what those things mean to you on a personal level? Yeah. And it does. The word empowerment is a big one for me in my vocabulary and definitely a vibration that I want to exude and encourage in other people, particularly women. I just feel like there's a lot in our society that can take that feeling or kind of drain that experience for a woman. There's so much, you know, comparing. There's so much judgment around, you know, different areas of life for a woman, whether it's aesthetic, whether it's aging, whether it's how she parents, you know, whether it's how much she works and how much balance time does she have to face? There's just a lot. So for me to connect with this idea that an individual has a right to design and be in their life in a very personal way, not dictated by any societal standard or suggestion. That to me is real empowerment, you know, to decide that you want to be a DJ at 30 years old or 40 years old or 50, you know, and actually do it because that sparks passion in you. And when that passion is in you, what you share is good. What you share and bring to the world is good. Yeah. You know, but there's a lot of suggestion, you know, everywhere, whether it's social media, whether it's, you know, family system, of, you know, of beliefs, history, it's out there. And so I think going against the grain to find what's genuine and authentic to you and how you live and how you look and how you express yourself as a woman takes a lot of, you know, centering and self-assurity. And so I would love to always, you know, encourage that in women. I love it. That's amazing. And it's true when, when you do find that thing, as you said, if you want to be a DJ and you don't start to your form, who the hell cares? Do it, do it. If that's what sets your soul on fire, if that's what creates or makes that fire burn in your soul or your belly or wherever, then just fucking do it. Who cares what anyone else says? I fully agree. And I think stepping into that for a lot of people is not that easy. No, it's not that easy. And, and I think when you've been bogged down by messaging and yeah. since you've been a, you know, a young child to even have the capacity to see beyond, to see beyond those ways of being, those systems, those perspectives, it takes a lot to even see beyond, let alone take the steps to go beyond those things. So I think when people start to explore going beyond those, um, I would say, parameters, there's a kind of waking up in the soul that will, I believe, ignite more and more of that exploration. And it's just, it's deserved and it's beautiful. Yeah. And I think since the pandemic started back in 2020, we're seeing a hell of a lot more of these awakenings, as you say, as you mentioned, these people realizing that, you know what, we don't have to fucking conform to society's dictation or norm anymore. Look at how the world has changed and people are waking up. And I don't like using the word awakening because I think it's overused, but I think that people are really realizing that no life doesn't have to be this way anymore. 
And it's all been shown to us as a result of the pandemic. I mean, it's always been there. It's been there always, but this pandemic has shone such a bright light on that. And I think it's caused and encouraged a lot of people to wake up and realize, hey, you know what? I don't want to do this anymore. I'm going to shift gears here and I'm going to do something totally different that I've wanted to do for a long time. And no one's going to tell me I can't. Yeah, I'm witnessing that too. And I think it's it's from a higher plane. Yes, you know, for sure. One of the reasons why this is all happening. I know we can get caught up in the sort of physical plane. and yeah. try to understand understand and, and make sense of people and their decisions and, you know, the details. Yeah. But when you, when you take yourself out of uh, being engaged and you kind of stand at a higher sort of platform and see this from an overview stand, yeah. I think that there's something much bigger happening. And when you talk about awakening, I don't think that's a bad word to be using at all. I think it's perfect, but I think we have to have that ability to trust that things are always happening under the divine supervision of, you know, the universe. Sure. So sure. when we can kind of go there and land in that, then we know that things are unraveling, things get dark, things get messy, but all of that to serve this, as you said, awakening, coming yeah. to a deeper relationship with self, deeper relationship with spirit. I think it's pretty amazing. And I'm it observing is. a lot of that as well. Yeah, I, I think there's a lot more coming too. There's, I, I don't know. I have this feeling. It's like a pressure cooker. This, It's going to blow the lid right off of things. And it's coming very <laughs> soon. It really is. It's, it's huge and it's boiling over. And it's going to just explode. What we've seen over this past 22 months, say, is just mm -hmm. the tip of the iceberg. There is so much more coming. I know it. Yeah, yeah I like your example of the pressure cooker. I mm -hmm. think that that is actually, I've used that you know, phrase in the last couple of years as far as how, you know, how it feels, like the collective yeah. energy. Yeah. But this is why I say, and that's not necessarily a bad thing, like that is no. pushing us into those little nooks and crannies of our being to yes. find out who we are and our that's resilience, right. our ability to connect with self and each other. So I think it's, it's all for something very good. I think yep. the potential of what can happen after all of this is really, really good and beautiful. And I'm going to hold that vision. I agree um, with I you. And I would say that I'm right there with you. <laughs> it, yeah. I'm so I'm so happy we're sharing that. And I think again, like anything where there's profound change and transformation, it's not always going to be easy. No. So to take as much as you can that that path of sort of connecting to that vertical energy of spirit and and not getting caught up in the horizontal energy that can can really drain you. Change is hard. It's not easy. That's for sure. But it's good. Change is good. And it's needed. I think it's, all of this is needed right now. Yeah, it really I is. Agree. So speaking of empowerment, what does that word mean to you? How do you define the word empowerment? Well, without repeating what I <laughs> said the last in that sort of my one of my last answers to me, empowerment is if I have to summarize it, it's being so connected to who you are, that your ability to show up with love, conviction, and an energy that is expansive becomes more and more accessible to the individual. Love it. Now yeah. I want to talk a little bit about your journey into being a DJ. You call yourself a conscious DJ. Why did you decide to give yourself that label of being a conscious DJ? 
I call myself a conscious DJ because the experience for me is conscious. So I'm holding space when I'm DJing with a kind of um, attunement to the energy in the room. And I, and I, and I think most DJs do this. I, I wouldn't say all, but I think most do. And some are consciously like, you know, really would are be able to articulate that they're doing it and some might not, but they're still doing it. So I feel like when I'm in a space playing music for people, I hold an intention to project an energy that is one that makes people feel good, good in like a real way, not in a superficial way. I envision light when I'm DJing. I'm really conscious of this light kind of moving through me, through my equipment, through the music, into the people, into their hearts. And I pray a lot when I'm playing. And so when I'm holding space in this mind space, I really, I pay attention to what, what's needed. Is it music right now that's going to bring a bit of a, like a harder beat? Are they there? Are they ready for that? Do they need that? Or do I need to calm the energy in the space because it's kind of frenetic and, and sort of hyper and not in like the cleanest way? So I'm playing with the energy in the space while I'm choosing what I play um, as far as music goes. I love that. That's amazing. Now, how long have you been a DJ and how did your journey into becoming a DJ begin? It's interesting. How long have I been a DJ? I think I've been a DJ for about eight years. Okay. I'm just in it. So I'd say about eight years professionally. And I got into it by the grace of God. I knew I needed a channel because at the time I was in a very contemplative state, making a big decision and feeling a lot of stress. And I knew I needed somewhere at that time that would be very creative to put my energy instead of letting it fester in my body or be projected in the wrong ways. I knew I needed a healthy channel. And so I chose to learn how to play. And I asked randomly on Facebook, I just put a message out saying like, hey, anybody want to teach me? I knew tons of DJs. I threw parties for years. I was in the nightclub industry, but didn't want to be that specific. So I just put it out. A person responded that connected me to someone I did not know. This individual I did not know became my coach. He was amazing. His name is Dave Puso, and he was fantastic. And progressively, rapidly, I started getting asked to play um, because I think the relationships I had with people in the scene, as far as parties, events, nightclubs, festivals, boat cruises, they knew me, they knew what I liked, you know, as far as music, they knew what I liked. So they assumed that I play what I liked and they were right. (laughs) And I ended up getting a lot of work and it progressed and I've had the opportunity to travel because of it, do some festivals internationally, you know, online work has been really great. Even, even still over the pandemic, I've had some opportunities to play, collaborated with some incredible DJs. I'm so grateful for it. Awesome. That's amazing. You just, something you wanted and you went after it. I love it. That's great. I want to talk a little bit about women in entrepreneurship and the landscape of that. Uh, I come from a corporate background and that mindset and behavior of the old boys club mentality was very prevalent when I was working in the corporate world, not getting equal women, not getting paid equally for doing the same job as their male counterparts or not enough women in C-suite level positions with seats at the boardroom table and so on. I mean, Mm -hmm. the fact that 
this is even still happening in the year 2022 is mind boggling and ridiculous that it's still there. But, Mm -hmm. and I think Mm -hmm. that over this past 22 months, since I started my journey into the whole women's empowerment realm through the podcast, when I've seen a bit of a shift in mindset with a lot of the women that I'm speaking with, what are your thoughts on the landscape of entrepreneurship and women run businesses? What have you seen in your experiences and your dealings and relationships? Yeah. There's so many layers to that and how I can answer it. Um, I mean, first of all, I'm really happy to see that it's happening more. So I'm watching women step into positions of, you know, taking risk as business owners, finding their creative outlets, expressing their passions through the work that they do, whether it's fashion, whether it's working as a psychotherapist, it doesn't matter. So I'm really happy to be observing that more women are stepping into that and out of the sort of more backseat kind of roles in things. So that's great. I would say that, you know, although things are changing, as you mentioned, the sort of old boys club, things have improved. I know that it's still there though. And there's this residue and even in environments, and I've worked in many different environments over the years where you think that it's a bit more, uh, progressive in this respect, there's still this undertone and often this kind of like mocking of it. There's still a bit of a mocking of it I've seen in certain environments. And so I think for women to keep moving with that kind of fierce determination to create change in this realm is super important. And I think it's extremely important that men speak up too, because I think in a lot of those environments where this is still in existence in a lot of those situations. I don't, I don't feel that a man not stepping in to interrupt perhaps even just the way the communication is happening about women towards women in the workplace, that it's as impactful. I think that men need to start speaking out to other men. So I'm not suggesting the women refrain from doing that. Of course not. But I do think that men need to see that like, Hey, like we don't all agree. Yeah, we don't all agree in this, you know, and I think that needs to happen more. I think that it's our responsibility as men to show and tell women that, you know what, we see you, we hear you, we stand beside you, we support you, we're your allies and show that support. Like you said, men need to step in and start doing that more. Absolutely. I think it's our moral responsibility. It's just so important. And Thank you for, you know, having that perspective for having the courage to say it out loud and doing it where you have, I guess, the opportunity. You know, I work in more than one industry. And one of the industries I work in as a DJ is, you know, in the entertainment industry. Right. And I have seen, you know, so many different kind of um, attitudes towards women. And in particular, I'm going to say, you know, DJs. So there's men in this industry that I feel are very much empowering women to be the ones as a headliner, to be hiring them for these events and bigger events. And I love that. And I feel very safe in those relationships and in those environments. And I still see that there is not equal opportunity. There's not. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's interesting. My partner, actually, he does a lot of very important things in the world. And one of the things like me is actually a DJ. And so there's people that'll call, for example, and say, you know, hey, Carmelinda, can I, can I get you to play this event? And I'll say, wonderful. You know, sometimes I play alone. Sometimes he'll play with me. Yeah. And then there's some 
individuals that will call him and say, and it's a bit of a different, I don't know if I'm going to articulate this perfectly, but the understanding, the feeling, what I'm observing is that they're asking him if I, if I could play. It's like, why wouldn't you just reach out to me? Do you know exactly. what I mean? Call and, you directly. Yeah. Call me directly. And I've like, what, what are happened. they asking his permission? <laughs> I wouldn't say like it's permission. I, I, I never got that, but more like he kind of runs it. Like he's yeah, the one yeah. that run, runs, but he doesn't, you know, I, yeah. I've worked as a DJ long before actually we were even a couple and right. playing together is the most amazing thing in the world. I love it, but I'm not identified by that as, yeah. as it only a collaboration with him. Yeah. So it's beautiful to see that there's a lot of change. A lot of um, more women are getting hired to DJ in this, in this case is what we're talking about. Yeah. And I still think, that the instinct of a lot of men in this industry is to hire other men right. and not even give opportunity to women. And so that's where I see there's definitely a need for change. Yeah, I think we have a long way to go. I mean, it's great that the needle has started to move, but we have a long way to go yet. A long, long road ahead and it needs to start happening quicker, I think. I see that. Mm-hmm. To yeah. date, what would you say is your biggest high or your greatest win? To date, what is my biggest high or greatest win? There's never one answer to any of these questions. So <laughs> uh, I would say one of I would say one of the things is actually really simple. It's more personal. I love to say that a lot of the friends I've had or that I currently have are women that I've had in my life since I was basically in junior high. And and I'm not talking about the kind of, um, you know, circle of friends where there's not change and progress and, and growth. There's yeah. so much change and progress and growth in this group of women that I'm thinking of right now as individuals, professionally, emotionally navigating through, you know, ups and downs of life. They're that kind of group. And we still have this beautiful, consistent love and like sisterhood connection. And that to me is, is such a gift because not everybody has that. And I have so many new circles and new people. And because I'm working in different environments, I'm constantly integrating with new communities. So I'm all for that. Yeah. Um, you know, your growth attracts new people. But I'm really happy to say that this one area of my life, this particular circle is still strong in love, in support, in respect. And that, that to me feels like a, a blessing. Uh, so that's, I would say that for sure. And yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say that's great because those connections and those friendships and those relationships are far and few between. Not a lot of people can say they have friends from back in junior high and high school. I'm, I'm the same. I have a core group from junior high and high school as well that we still mm-hmm. are in touch and we still spend time together. And it's important mm-hmm. because those mm-hmm. connections, I think about my girls now and the friendships that they've had through the years of school and none of them, neither girl has anything like that. And I don't think a lot of kids today in today's day will have those kinds of relationships. There's just something different about the way things are today. Yeah. It's hard. it's Yeah. It's hard for me to compare. I, I, you know, I, I don't have children at the yeah. moment. And so it's hard for me to compare. I believe you. And I also, you know, it's just, the, it's just one of the first things that came to my mind. I love it. That, and, you know, yeah. And then there's, you know, there's so many parts to our lives and our being. And, and of course, you know, to know that I worked as, 
you know, almost like a, I pretty much was a nine to fiver, you know, for yeah. a decade before I got into the world of wellness, I worked as an event planner and it was great and fun in a lot of ways, but I had the courage to make a huge change to leave an industry that I knew I was no longer passionate about. Yeah. I knew that my clients sitting and speaking about, you know, the design of their wedding, they deserve somebody that was really, really, you know, excited with them. And I wasn't anymore. And yeah. so it was a big move for me to, you know, study, leave what I was doing and completely immerse myself in a new field, new people, expressing myself in a completely different light. And I made that successful for myself. So I would say that that's another yeah. you know, highlight for sure. Well, kudos to you for doing it because not a lot of people do have the courage to do it. And it definitely takes courage for sure. So kudos to you for doing it and having the, Thank you. the, the courage to do that. What do you think your unique skill set or superpower is that's helped you become successful? I think there's a couple. I'm extremely persistent at what I want uh, when it comes to, you know, learning something new, implementing it and, and doing it professionally. I have the ability to have strong vision. My vision's clear when it comes to goals. I think that's important to getting us forward in things that we want to achieve. I think also I have a deep sensitivity and ability to feel uh, where people are. And that allows me the opportunity to, you know, meet them in exchange and conversation in the EFT work in particular, because I'm really present. I'm really present to the energy behind people's expression, uh, what they're saying, um, their emotion. Uh, So I think that that's definitely a strong ability or skill in me. And I think that comes, I think that comes from like having had a fair bit of my own pain and trauma to navigate, heighten my sensitivity. So I'm really grateful for that. And I've been called tenacious. (laughs) (laughs) So I think I do have a a level of tenacity. So this kind of uh, drive, yeah, yeah, I can work pretty hard, you know, at what I want to do and, and where I want to go. Beautiful. Yeah. Speaking of success, how do you define the word success? What does that word mean to you? You know, it's evolved. Yeah. I would say right now in my life, success is experiencing the balance of, for me, doing the work that I love. So that brings an experience of fulfillment to my heart because it's at service, in service to others. So you know, the service of supporting them as they heal and grow and change while being able to, you know, sustain a life that is, you know, in my personal world, you know, healthy and balanced and where I'm comfortable financially. So I think women often have a difficult time thinking about goal setting, talking about making money. And so money isn't the driving force at all or probably go and find something else that makes tons and tons of money. So it's not my driving force. But at the same time, at this point in my life, I recognize that when we are doing what we love and it's bringing good to the world, to receive in the form of money is a perfectly reasonable expectation. It's the exchange that we use in the world that we live in. So it's energy output, energy received, and that's the currency we use. So I feel like for me, success is, yes, that sense of fulfillment by what you, what you do that's of service to others while being a sustainable, you know, good living that allows you to live a life that you're, you know, feeling safe and relatively free and independent, especially as a woman. Yeah. It's really important to me that women, you know, 
be in situations where they can rely on themselves financially. So they're never stuck in, you know, for example, relationships that aren't healthy because of a dependency. It's just, it's like ingrained in my brain that we need to be able to take care of ourselves. Absolutely. That was one thing that my wife and I always instilled in our daughters from a very young age is do not depend upon anybody, a man, a woman, nobody. You only because when it all comes down to it, you really only have yourself to depend on. So do not rely on other people to help you that way. Be self-supportive, work hard, Mm -hmm. and you can do anything you want in life. And we, from a very young age, we started instilling those values into the girls. And my only hope is that it got through and they, they, (laughs) they took heed to that, those words and that advice and those values. So We'll see as they grow. I think it's so important. It is for sure, especially there's a lot of influence. Yeah, it really is. And there's so many sort of polarity messages out there around us. You know, there's still a lot in like, you know, pop culture suggesting, you know, just being like taken care of. And I think some people are, that's the messaging they're getting from even just like family beliefs. And yeah, and I think it's not secure and it doesn't lead to a person feeling like they can really choose, you know, potentially yeah. that could happen. And I just, I would really want to know that, you know, nobody's ever stuck in, in particularly in relationship where they, they can't leave because they're financially dependent. So that's important to me. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. What would you say is one of the most important things learned in your life? And what was your life like before you learned it? And what was your life like after you learned it? One of the most important things I've learned in my life is that the dialogue you have with yourself is crucial to your experience as a human being. So I think for a long time, I didn't have the ability to connect with my younger self in inner conversation and dialogue. So for example, if I was experiencing fears about something, which is, you know, fear is everywhere. I didn't have that ability to say like, hey, that's a part of me that's in fear right now. There's a whole other part of me that can speak to that part. This is the inner wisdom or the divine self that can bring peace, that can bring comfort, that can create change around you know, that voice. It needs to be heard. It needs to be acknowledged. And I think over the years and a lot of the work I've done through um, my studies and particularly in EFT, I've come to hone I don't know if hone the skill is because I'm not saying I've refined it, but I've gotten better at speaking to that part of myself within myself. And that is to me essential in healing this ability to reparent yourself, to have that inner dialogue that brings, you know, comfort. I love it because everything self is the foundation for absolutely everything in life, everything that we know it all starts within us and we all have the tools within Mm -hmm. us to do what we need to do and do what we want to do. Again, it just goes back to being able to get past that conditioning things we've been taught as we've grown up and being able to, and wanting to put in the work. Yeah. You have to, because a lot of the time, the voice that you're hearing isn't yours. Yeah. The pressures within you are not actually your voice. It's conditioned. For sure. It's through observation. It's through internalizing in your younger years, the experiences you've had and things that you witnessed. 100%. So it takes a lot of mental discipline, yeah. mindfulness, awareness, self-awareness to be able to catch it, not get engaged in a basic way. I'm, I'm, I'm saying this in a really basic way is reprogram it. Yeah. 
for sure. Karma Linda, who in your life has had the biggest impact on you and why? Uh, so many people, <laughs> but I would say one person that comes to mind is my grandmother, my grandmother, who's not been with us in this physical plane uh, for a few years now. She still has a very big impact on me. She's someone I, I turn to um, in my prayers, you know, thoughts of her bring comfort when I'm, you know, when I need comfort. She embodied this attitude of love and non-judgment. You know, she was 93 when she passed away. And so obviously, you know, when she was, you know, the life that she lived and when she was born and the times that she grew up through could have, you know, made her very specific or stuck in certain, you know, beliefs and potentially judgmental or prejudice. And she was none of those things. She was so deeply rooted in her faith and connection to God that she just saw everyone as though they were a piece of that. And she behaved towards individuals on the bus, her family members walking down the street in her neighborhood, like they were family. She was such an incredible example of that. So yeah, she was an incredible woman. She was an absolutely incredible woman. Love it. Okay. We're going to jump into a little rapid fire section here. So the next grouping of questions will just be like two, three, four word answer type thing. Okay. Okay. What is your personal motto? The only way out is through. (laughs) What was your dream job as a child? To work at a bookstore. If you were writing your autobiography, speaking of books, what would the title be? Never give up. How would you describe yourself in one word? Determined. If you could teach the world one thing, what would it be? Deepen your relationship with yourself. What's one thing you want but cannot buy with money? Deep intimacy in my relationships. If you could change one thing about the world, what would you change? Separation, division. What would your family and friends list as a couple of your best characteristics? Strong, compassionate, flexible, expressive. What is one of your favorite quotes? I don't know why I can't think of that right now. <laughs> there's so there's so many, and for whatever reason, it's just not coming to me in this moment. <laughs> How would you like to be remembered? Kind and warm. And back to the quote one. Anything come to mind? Yeah, give me a second. Yeah. <laughs> hmm, my favorite. One of your favorite, not necessarily your favorite, because yeah. we all know these questions are multidimensional. <laughs> of course. One of my favorite quotes. You know what? It's just, I just land in the only way out is through. It's just, it's been a motto for me and I, and I know I heard it somewhere. And so it's, it sticks out. Okay. That concludes our rapid fire section. Now back to our regularly scheduled program. (laughs) (laughs) What do you do to keep yourself inspired every day and to inspire others? Uh, Well, first thing is I I start my day with breath work. I do very intentional breath work every morning as soon as I wake up. That to me is a way of kind of like feels like I'm taking a toothbrush to my brain. It's just kind of washing out any fogginess and centering that analogy, a toothbrush to your brain. That's great. (laughs) Yeah, that's really honestly, I feel brighter and clearer. That's brilliant. I love it after my breath work. So that's, that's how I start my day. I study something by Marianne Williamson. So I read a book that's a translation of A Course in Miracles. I studied A Course in Miracles as well. But this particular book um, titled The Year of Miracles, it just offers a daily reflection that I find very valuable, deep, and I just work with them as a mantra for the day. 
Anytime I'm remotely triggered by something, I go back to the mantra. It always seems to be totally perfectly relevant. So that's for sure something that inspires me every day. And to support and inspire others, I feel I've lived in a way, not always, took a lot to get there, where I became less concerned with satisfying other people's expectations of me and decided that instead of trying to push change on anyone, even if it was change, I thought would be so good for them, you know, maybe family. I decided that the best thing I can do is show up for myself in my own light, in my own truth. And that's the example I offer that I welcome everybody to find that their own personal expression and light. So I do it. I, I try to do it through example. Love it. If you had the opportunity to sit down and have a one-hour conversation with one woman, any woman in the world, who would it be and why? Uh, It would be my grandmother. And it would be her because she communicated this message that you are never alone, that through true connection and faith, that there's this higher power that you are never alone. There's never a need to feel lonely. And that to me is such an important message, especially right now in the world where people are suffering a lot from isolation and loneliness. Yeah, there's a lot of struggle going on. That's for sure. What is one thing that you wish you had known when you started your entrepreneurial journey that you now know? Self-care is super important. So, you know, working hard is really a big thing for me. I'm not a believer in just like sitting, crossing, you know, your legs and meditating yeah. to manifest what you want. I just that's <laughs> not my message. I think all, you know, good things take effort, uh-huh. but I didn't know that self-care and balance would lead to greater success the way I believe that now. You find that hard though because I don't know about you, but I personally find that hard because I love what I do. I mean, I I love it with all of my heart and soul. And I don't mind working eight, 10, 12, 14, 16 hours a day. I really don't, it doesn't bother me to do that. I I find myself Mm -hmm. working at night a lot more than I do during the day. And I stay up till one, two in the morning working because I love doing it. So I find Mm -hmm. it hard to balance. Well, I would say that it's different for everybody. I mean, I, I can't tell you what balance and harmony is for you. Yeah. Balance and harmony for you is what your body tells you. Yeah. So if you are putting 10 to 14 hours in, but you feel healthy and clear, the other areas of your life that are important to you are, are healthy, then that's success. But if you're doing what you do at 10 to 14 hours a day obsessively, because you feel like it's the only path to being successful, and you're doing it against the grain of what you have energy for, and other things are being compromised for it, that's not balanced. To me. Yeah. So it's, it's a very personal thing, but you gauge it through, you know, your own experience, how you for feel, sure. what you're cultivating, and how the other important areas of your life are functioning. Yeah, very true. What would you say are the top three skills needed to be a successful entrepreneur? Vision, hardworking, mm-hmm. and I'll go back to that. I think effort, action is very important. And I would say self-trust. And I think a lot of the times what separates people from being successful versus not that might have the same skills as far as you know credentials and whatnot is a person's belief in themselves. I would agree with that. I think the people that believe in themselves generally get much further ahead. Yeah. If you could go back and give your younger self one piece of advice, what would that piece of advice be? The most important relationship in your life is the one that you have with yourself and spirit. So 
use what you can to cultivate that relationship. It's the one you're going to be left with. It's the one you're going to turn to in your, you know, the darker hours of your life. And it's, it's crucial to your experience of, of living a good life. I love that. That is so true. So, so true. Because like we said, it all comes down to you. Everything comes down to you. In the end, it's you, you have to rely on. And you, you are the only one that you can solely depend on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, there's great, there, God willing, there's great people in your life. Sure, of course. And God willing, your family is good and yeah. your partner is good yeah. and people treat you well. But I think at the end of the day, you know, the hours that you spend with yourself That's right. are going to be the most. And, and that should, and I think if that relationship is healthy, your external circumstances are always better than not healthy relationship with yourself. They're going to generate very different external experiences. Absolutely. Lastly, Carmelinda, if you were to deliver your last 30 second speech to the world, what would that last 30 seconds sound like? What would you say to people, your people, your say, tribe, your corner? Of yeah, the world? yeah, 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 I get it. I would say thank you to, you know, everyone that's been supportive on my journey, that had faith in me, that shared words of encouragement. And thank you to the people that hurt me. And thank you to the people that called me to have to learn the lessons of personal love, self-love and self-reliance. And I'm sorry to anybody that I've ever hurt. And may we all remember that in this, this journey that we're living, we are spiritual beings living out the needs of our souls. So everything happened perfectly. Love it. That's very well said. Beautifully said. I love it. I tried really hard not to stop and cry. (laughs) (laughs) You did very well. I am super impressed. Carmelinda, thank you so very much for taking the time to be here today and share a bit about your story and your journey. This has been such an incredibly inspirational conversation. I've thoroughly enjoyed every minute of it. It's been so engaging and beautiful and all of the things. I truly appreciate you. And I am so happy and honored to have you as a member of the Empowerography community. And I appreciate you. I'm so grateful for you. Thank you so much for all that you've shared and for being part of this whole movement. Thank you. And I have had an experience that has been quite surprising. You know, I came into this enthusiastic. We've had some exchange before this call. And so I felt really good coming in and the experience of being in this call was much greater than anything I could have imagined. It was so easy and actually quite a deep experience, kind of cathartic for me to be, to be asked the questions that you were asking. So thank you for taking me on this journey that actually just really supported even a deeper understanding of myself. Sometimes we, you know, we we don't get the chance to ask ourselves these kinds of questions. So our own Mm, clarity could be a bit muffled, but you gave me that opportunity. So I'm really, really grateful. And I can't wait to share it. Well, thank you so much. That means so much to me. Those are incredibly kind and beautiful words. I appreciate each and every one of them. And that's my hope for this thing is that I can have my guests walking away from this, thinking about themselves and thinking, wow, I haven't thought about this shit in a long time where I've never thought about this stuff. This is great. I love mm-hmm. that I'm uh, mm-hmm. that I'm able to create that kind of 
feeling in another person. And again, this is all part of what we have spoken about throughout this conversation is giving back and having impact on people through what we're doing in the world and what our mission and our journey is. And that truly is so very kind of you. And it just, it just reinforces that what I'm doing and the work I'm doing is having impact. And that makes my soul sing. So thank you for that. Truly. I appreciate that. Keep keep doing it. You're doing such a good job at it. Thank Thank you. you. Once again, my name is Brad Walsh, host of your Empowerography podcast. Today, my guest has been Carmelinda DiMano. She is an EFT coach, a movement and breath facilitator, and a conscious DJ. Thank you so much, Carmelinda. I hope you have an amazing rest of the day. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Thank you very much for listening to this podcast. If you haven't yet, please be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and share with all your friends. You can find me at visuphoria.ca, follow me on Instagram at Empowerography Podcast, and on Facebook at Empowerography. Please join me next time for another inspirational story from yet another amazing woman.